me of a little thing that was going around on Facebook recently, and uh, there was a very elderly couple in the cartoon, and she says, why do you never tell me that you love me? He says, well, I told you once, if anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> so, well, that's it. Uh, incidentally, just reminding me as the ambulance went past, do you ever pray for the ambulance crews, the emergency services? They never know until they get, well, quite often, they don't know exactly what they're going to find. And where we live on the top of King's Ash, of course, is an ambulance every few minutes sometimes. And our prayer, our simple prayer, and you youngsters can do the same when you go to school or going, and it's for the crew and those they're going to, we commit to you. Easy, isn't it? For the crew, please fire, ambulance, for the crew and those they're going to we commit to you and just you pray that and I, I, I told um, quite often when down in A&E and um, I've shared that with a few um, ambulance personnel and uh, they're just so moved and I said yeah I said, so every time you pass down King's Ash there's somebody praying for you and he said what? I said yeah I said we do care you know so Prayer changes lives. Um, Kath, is, Kath, is your dad still progressing? Yeah, so you see there's, and Peter's as well, there's been some wonderful answers to prayer. There was a wonderful answer to prayer with last Saturday. Um, you know, we took our wet weather gear and everything all the way down to Cornwall. <laughs> Didn't need it, it was just lovely and sunny. So let's just, just a few moments in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we've had to come and to take a bread and wine again. And Lord, we thank you for you. We thank you for the opportunity we've had. And Lord, in addition to that, we do thank you for each other. We thank you for the Christian fellowship here at Great Parts. And we truly pray that we might grow in faith and in love for each other. And above all, our love for you. We thank you, Lord, for this week, for answered prayer. We thank you, Lord, for John. Uh, this awful situation out in Romania. And uh, for Peter with his heart situation. And many, many other things, Lord. Little prayers and massive prayers and all prayers to you. And, Lord, we do pray for each other. Whatever we do this week, whatever we're caused to face. And Lord, if there's uh, one or more amongst us who is uh, anxious, troubled, concerned or worried about something, Lord, just let your presence be known to them in a very real and precious way. For those that live alone, Lord, oh, your word is so real. Never will I leave you, nor forsake you. Let that be a reality. Right, youngsters, Lord, as they... Um, do their studies, the, all the activities that young people do. Just help them and guide them along their journey. Hear our prayers, Lord, in our Saviour's name. And as we turn now to your word, we turn to you. And Lord, in this quite difficult passage, we ask for illumination. We ask for an understanding. Quieten our minds, open our hearts, open our ears, Lord. That they won't hear from me, but from you. Again, in his name. Amen. One of the challenges when you are presented uh, with thir 20, 30, 
verses of scripture and they said, well, that's the passage for tonight. And you look at the passage and think, my word, there's a year's worth of sermons uh, in there. And we've, again, you see, we've got, um, we've got in that passage, we've got the 23 verses, 23 meaty verses that could take up a lot of our time. Uh, and this is a difficulty to, to come before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to share from all that? And uh, it's, it's been a bit of a wrestle this week. Quite often in a hospital environment, <clears throat> excuse me, we share what is known as the priestly blessing. You find it in Numbers uh, chapter 6, so verse 24 and 26. It's a passage that Jackie so often puts on, on, on greetings cards and different things. And the priestly blessing is such, it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. We've shared that with uh, end-of-life situations when people have been recovery, uh, in recovery and different things. And it's a wonderful, wonderful, uh, a wonderful uh, prayer and a wonderful blessing. And the fact that God, Almighty God, our loving Heavenly Father, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ should smile upon us, should turn his face towards us and be gracious unto us and to give us that most rare of commodities today, his peace. Oh, it's an awesome, awesome situation. But what about the other side of God's face? What about the exact opposite when God is so angry, God is so cross with us that he cannot even bear to be in our company. That's a very, very serious situation. And it's a situation that a lot of people won't face up to. I had one lady in the church up in Buckinghamshire and uh, whenever you mentioned anything about somebody being killed, some murder, or God reaching vengeance on somebody, she would not accept that that was God's word. And she would keep on saying, God is love, God is love. Yes, God is the God of love, thank God. God is the very epitome of love. But God has the dark side of God's face. And we find this in our passage tonight. I quite often ask people, uh, quite nosy really, but I just want to know about people. And I quite ask them, you know, what is your favourite hymn? What is your favourite song? But the other thing is, what is your favourite passage from the Bible? Oh, there's a John 3.16 and a John 14.6 and Psalm 23 and, and all the favourites come out. But what if I was to ask you, what is the most chilling passage in the Bible. What is the one that makes you go cold every time you read it? Well, I would say that top of my pile is the one in Genesis in chapter 6. where, um, in, uh, And we find in verse 5, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was so great on the earth, and that every intent or thought and the thoughts of the heart was only for evil, continuously that's all people thought about and this is my passage that I, I it just moves me so much and the lord was sorry that he had made man on earth he was grieved in his heart 
So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things, birds of the earth, for I am sorry that I have made them. Wow, is this the same God of love? Yes, it is. But this is the other side, the dark side of God's face. And this, of course, uh, led on um, to uh, calling Noah to build um, the great ship there. It is the most uh, chilling. And our passage um, that we find is in, the, um, in, in Exodus and 33 is the same. I just want to remind you of a passage, and I know I've shared this one before, and to me it's a passage that allows all the other scripture texts to be hinged upon. Because when Paul was writing to the Christians in Rome, now the Christians in Rome were about to face the greatest persecution ever. If you read today in the, the Barnabas Fund and Release and Open Doors and all the other organizations that are seeking to encourage and help and assist Christians in the persecuted countries, you get a taste. Well, the Christians in Rome were about to undertake the most awful oppression ever. Christians were going to be uh, thrown into the arena to be eaten by lions. They were going to be set apart uh, and set on fire. It was an awful time. And Paul writes this. Whatever, think about that word, whatever things were written before were written for our learning so that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Paul's writing to the Christians there and he's giving them a message of hope. And what Paul is saying is everything that's been written before now, all the scriptures that you know, they have been written with a purpose to give us today hope. And friends, in 2019, nothing is any difference. Exodus 33 is a classic example of events from three and a half thousand years ago can be as relevant, as useful and as real for the Christian today as ever, ever before. Having secured the release of his people uh, from the tyranny, from the being prisoners in Egypt, having opened up the Red Sea, allowing... Um, Two and a half million people around about to cross on dry land and having led them now through the wilderness provided everything that they needed, not everything that they wanted, everything they needed, shoes that wouldn't wear out, that would be no good for Clarks today would it, but shoes that wouldn't wear out, water from the rock, manna from heaven, everything they needed. How wonderful. He leads them towards the promised land. Moses ascends Mount Sinai to meet with the Lord. The result we have uh, is what we know as the Ten Commandments. And I just want to share uh, just a, a little passage, a little part of that. Because we read, God spoke these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage, you shall have no other gods but me. Now, God could say, what kind of you shall have no other gods but me do you not understand? It is so crystal clear. You shall have no other gods. You'll worship nothing and no one 
except me. You shall not make for yourself any carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, that is in the earth beneath, that is in water or under the earth. You shall not bow down before them, for I, the Lord, am your God. I'm a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and who keep my commandments. I remember I'd not been a Christian very long and I invited my mum uh, along to a, a, a carol service in our little chapel up in Lancashire there. And, uh, and she said she'd never been in before and she sat down and she's going. And I'm, I said, what's the matter, mum? She said, where is everything? I said, I'm sorry. She said, but where's all, all the statues and, and all? Uh, because she'd, she'd come up in an Anglican tradition uh, and being, not being disrespectful to the, to the Church of England in any way whatsoever. But, you know, there, were, there was statues of this and carvings of that and, and all manner of things. And all that there was in our chapel uh, up in Lancashire was a solid wooden cross. That was it which is obviously the focus uh, of her faith. But she couldn't understand, though. Well, there's nothing nothing here. It's so plain. I said, well, we don't need anything, Mum. We don't worship anything. We worship someone. And that's the big difference. So when God gave those Ten Commandments, you'd think it'd be so, ever so clear. He's left no room for any doubt whatsoever. Have you ever got an instruction book? And uh, especially the flat pack stuff, and you open it up and you read it, and you think, oh, it doesn't make sense that. Hang on, I'll have another go. And you read it again, you read it a few times, and then finally, hopefully, it clicks. But God makes it so, so clear as to what He intends uh, His people to do and what He intends His people not to do. Well, you would think so, wouldn't you? Well, last week you uh, you heard in our absence you heard um, how from John Allen how uh, Moses uh, had come down uh, he'd come down from the mount and what does he find he finds that Aaron his brother uh, has organised that uh, all the gold and the stuff they recovered from the Egyptians he's made them into a golden calf bad news to start with worst of all. They're all dancing around and worshipping it. And I think to say that Moses was cross is probably an understatement. He was wild. The covenant, the commandments were broken, and so were the pillars that Moses had broken down. God caused the Israelites to turn on one another. Now, we heard this morning, didn't we, at Pentecost, 3,000 were wonderfully saved. Here, around the golden calf, 3,000 killed one another. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We should be working, walking a life, as Paul said, circumspectly, carefully, in awe and love and wonder of uh, the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all understanding. I was having a one-to-one -one with a lady who has been battling with cancer uh, for some years now. 
and she took me on one side and she said, Derek, she said, I have to tell you, she said, I was so low, I felt so ill at weekend. She said, that I thought, I can't take any more. My life has got to end now. I cannot bear any more. She said, you know what stopped me? I said, no. She said, the fear of upsetting the Lord. The fear of upsetting the Lord. She said, he gave me life. What right have I to take it? And it was just so precious, so moving, that the one thing above all the things was her love for the Lord and the fear of upsetting him, the fear of causing Almighty God, excuse me, pain. Uh, And that's a precious, precious thing. Well, Moses then seeks, I'm obviously missing pieces out because there's just so much within this, excuse me for this. Moses is seeking to make restitution on behalf of the children of Israel with Almighty God, who they have grieved. And the Lord said, well, you can move on. I promised, you see, when God makes a promise... He keeps it. When God said, I will, he will. When God says, whoever, for whatever, he will. God will never, ever break a promise. Every word of God proves true. And God had promised. He had promised them that the the, uh, promised land, excuse me, was before them. He said, you move on, but... There's a boat coming here. I will send, sorry, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, which was the promise. This was Canaan. For I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff necked or a stubborn people. I will not go with you. I will send my angel. But I'm not going with you. Have you ever been in a situation where you've had to say, look, I'm going to put this phone down now or I'm going to walk away because it might just say something that I will regret. And God, of course, almighty God, God who knows everything about anything and forever, God is saying, look, I, I, I cannot trust myself to go with you. I'm not going to go with you. The promise is there, you're going to go, but I'm not going with you. I'll send my angel instead. Because I'm afraid that I may consume you, you stiff-necked, stubborn people on the way. God was cross. God was angry. And when God is angry, you better watch out. You see, people think today, all the things that go on uh, in, our, in the, our land today, in our world today, and people think, well, if there's a God, why don't he zap them out? Why don't he do something about it? Do you think you can extend the patience of God in a few minutes, a few weeks, a few months, a few years? No, you're going, because God is patient and God is waiting. And these are days of grace Nobody gets away with anything. Nobody gets away with anything. And God is saying, I, I, just can't, I, just can't, I just can't stand to be in your presence. That's how I feel about you. When the people heard these grave tidings, they mourned. I think they would. 
and no one put on any ornaments. No one put on any ornaments. Once again, they were sorry, and remorse swept through the camp. But being sorry is not enough. Being sorry is not enough. There must be genuine repentance and godly sorrow and the determination to make amends. I love my brother Roland. I love my family. I love our Roland. When we was at home, we could not stand each other. We fought and fought and argued, arguing over washing up. You're, not, you wash, you, you, you're piling the plates too high. You're not rinsing the cups. We would argue over anything and everything. And it all came to a head one day. And we realised how serious it was when my mum looked at us and just cried. She just cried, what am I going to do with you two? And, and that's how it was. And she'd say, say you're sorry. sorry. You say you're sorry. sorry. We didn't mean it. We didn't mean it because as soon as she'd gone, we'd start again. But it was that, that last time. And we looked at one another, and from that time we did not argue, uh, you know, not, not seriously anyway. And as soon as we left home, went our, our other ways, um, we became the absolute closest and best of friends. So my brother is one of my bestest friends, and uh, it's just so wonderful. But we would say sorry so many times, and just not... Yeah, and we'd say it just to avoid getting a good hiding um, because, you know, it was sort of, it was allowed then. Do you know what? Just sort of as a, as a by the way, we, we, were, we were given the, the slipper and the strap and different things, but never ever once in our life were we beaten. Never ever were we beaten. We were punished, but we were never beaten. And uh, we learned if you do things wrong, well, you're going to get punished for it. And this is exactly what God is saying here in this. John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Lord Jesus. John the Baptist makes his appearance. He suddenly um, arrives on the scene and uh, he's preaching uh, a message. Repent for the remission or for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. And then following on from that, we read, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So John the Baptist, the forerunner there, and now Jesus takes up the baton and he continues. That same message of repentance and restoration. And he says there, Jesus said, repent and believe in the gospel, the good news. Uh, in the Christianity Explored, they explain the gospel as not good news, but the best news you could ever, ever hear. Think about the best news you've ever heard and multiply it a million times because that is the gospel, the best news you will ever, ever hear. J.C. Ryle, one of my um, heroes of the faith, said, Repentance is a thorough change of heart on the subject of sin. A thorough change of heart on the subject of sin. Well,
Um, time is marching on back in um, Exodus there and uh, we find out in that uh, where we're up to verse 5 out yeah but the Lord said to Moses say to the children of Israel you're a stiff-necked people and I could come up into your midst in a moment and consume you now therefore take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you so the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb the fear of the Lord. They were terrified. They were trembling. What's he going to do with us? They'd seen the power of the Lord. Who could have stood on the banks of the Red Sea and seen those waters part and see the ground under the, 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 the river, the seabed, bone dry and seen two and a half million people cross? And then on the other side, when they're having the celebration, to see the army of the Egyptians come and everyone drowned. Would you not fear the Lord? My word, we should. We should love the Lord, but it should be with a godly fear as well. Moses left the camp. He left their presence. He went off to the tent, his tent of meeting outside of the camp. He needed to have a one-to-one to intercede for the people, to plead with Almighty God for the Israelites. Some of you um, may have read uh, The Cross and the Switchblade, uh, David Wilkerson's book. And uh, if you young people, if, if you want a good book to read, read The Cross and the Switchblade. David Wilkerson, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. And uh, it's a thrilling book. You, the trouble is, once you start reading, you won't want to put it down. It's a wonderful book. And uh, late, uh, in one of his other books, David Wilkerson, he said this. The Christian needs to find the trysting place. And he goes on to explain that you need to find your little hidey hole, your place where you can be at one with the Lord. He said that can be anywhere. Anywhere, absolutely. You find your trysting place. You have your one-to-one with the Lord. He said, uh, and that's where you spend your time. Some of us have seen that film, The War Room. Uh, and it's a most amazing, amazing film uh, where this dear old lady suggests to the, another lady that, and she finds this closet and, and she tucks out all the clothes and she puts a little chair in there and that is her private... I'm not saying don't go home and start turning out all your wardrobes and say, Derek said I've got to find a wardrobe to sit in. No, no. Find your own place. I've got my shed anyway. I go in there. Um, but no, uh, and, and in this private place, you can read the Bible... You can bring your prayers to God and you can listen to him. And this is exactly what Moses is doing. He's found his private place and he's going in touch with the Lord. Well, he's not assuming anything. The grace and the favour and the blessing that God had extended to Moses and the people... Uh, Moses certainly didn't take for granted. In Jude's prophecy about future events, um, he writes. Uh, he writes this, uh, and this is a. Um, 
Beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was delivered once and for all for the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of God into licentiousness and deny the only Lord God our Christ Jesus. Uh, and what what uh, God is speaking through Jude, and he's saying, look, I've given you my grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how we ended our service this morning, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That was sharing the grace. God shares his grace. But what happens, you cannot assume his grace. You cannot take his grace for granted. Uh, in my time over at Kingsbridge, and when I used to have my Sundays off and quite often be found here with Jackie, uh, maybe some Brian in those days, and uh, they would have uh, a visiting preacher would take the services that day and he'd get people like Don Hinchcliffe and Desmond would come over, different people, until one Sunday, and I got back, we'd been over here in Paynton, and the phone was ringing like mad. Don't you ever let that man in this church again. Who are you? I said, well, I didn't. somebody else gave me his name. I didn't even know who he was. Because this man, this man, and I'm not going to share his name. I don't think you will know him. But this man came into the chapel and preached that because of the grace of God, if you are obedient to anybody, even God, you are negating the grace that God has given you. So do what you want. They were not impressed. Neither was I. And needless to say, he never came again. We stuck to Don Hinchcliffe and Desmond Garner, different ones. But this is what happens today. People say, I'm living under grace, not law. Of course you are. Praise the Lord for that. But don't abuse it. And Moses did not abuse it. Moses took it very, very seriously. King David, one who knew the Lord and loved the Lord, uh, well, he knew all about uh, God's grace. David was a man with a heart after God's own, and he fell. He fell in a big way. He didn't just he didn't just tumble. He went full length. And David, in Psalm fifty-one, Psalm fifty-one should be compulsory reading for every believer you've a lot to read today haven't you Psalm 51 and David says this have mercy upon me O Lord according to your loving kindness according to the multitude of your tender mercies blot out my transgressions wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you exactly like the Israelites against you only you have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that where you that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you just when you judge? Could there still be restoration? We're nearly there now. Could we still be restoration for the Israelites? Yes, but there would be a price to pay. There would be a price to pay because God has said. I'm going to let you go to the promised land, but I'm not going with you. But 
My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I'm not happy with you, God's saying, but my angel will go with you. My presence will go with you and I will, <coughs> excuse me, give you rest. Words like honey, wonderful words of incredible value because in his presence, in the presence of God, is the fullness of joy. Well, to conclude, what can we learn from, from uh, Exodus and 33? <coughs> Excuse me. When you sin, and you will sin, we all will sin. When you sin, as soon as you realise, repent and seek restoration. Seek that place where God will smile upon you again. Whilst the Christian is not under law but grace, the Ten Commandments still stand. There's nothing any different. It's not old-fashioned. The Ten Commandments still stand. And we won't obey them because we have to. We'll obey them because we want to. Thirdly, find your own private place for your one-to-one and use it. And finally, seek to live a life worthy of your calling seek to live a life so like peter and john this morning you can say look at us look at us and may the lord bless you and keep you amen <coughs> excuse me